Our readings this morning are taken from the Gospels of Luke 10, 38 through 42, and John 11, 1 to 3, 17 to 22, and 28 to 32. Listen for the word of God. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of John's readings, the death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The word of God for the people of God. My siblings, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That felt so good. It's the first time I greeted a congregation by calling them my siblings. This was a big thing going on in General Assembly in St. Louis this past June. That word in kingdom was a big word that was said and, and seen all over the assembly. Kingdom, not kingdom, kin as in kinfolk, as in family. So I greet you as my family in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
And I've been thinking about this whole issue of siblings since that moment. I just returned this past week from my family reunion where for the first time in a long time that all of my siblings were together and all of our children were together and our parents who are 92 and 94 years old are still alive and vibrant. My father still drives. My mother doesn't dance anymore on her feet, but she can dance in a chair. So we are blessed. We are all blessed this morning. You are familiar with that Luke passage about Martha and Mary are preparing for a visit from Jesus. This is the same Martha and Mary in Luke as in John, which are the sisters of Lazarus. And Martha is a homebody type. She's the one that cooks and cleans and takes care of the home and takes care of everybody else. And Mary, I, I really haven't figured out what Mary does, but I'm going to continue to, to study this. But this was an occasion when Jesus was coming and Martha was excited and she had to make sure that everything was right, everything that was prepared right, the food was right, the house was clean. And as they was coming and entering their home, I would imagine that maybe Martha may have been a little overwhelmed because maybe she didn't know that where Jesus goes, his disciples come too. So, oh my gosh, do I have enough stew for them? I need more vegetables to be chopped. It's too late to kill a chicken, so let's add some water to it and stir it around and just hopefully it will be ready. And she's looking for her sister Mary. Where are you, Mary? <laughs> I need your help. I need you to finish setting the table, putting water on the table, making sure that everything is neat. And she peeks into the room, and there Mary is sitting among Jesus and the disciples leaning on every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth as if her very life depended on it. And as we know, it did, and for us today, it does. Our very life depends on the words that comes out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Martha couldn't hold it any longer. She was anxious, and she was not happy with her sister Mary, and she kind of barked at Jesus in front of the disciples and in front of his sister. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Oh, my gosh. If Jesus was in my home and I'd got that upset and blurted those words out, I'll be trying to grab those words right back. It is not just the words, but the tone in which he used towards Jesus. But Jesus just calmly and patiently and in his own way says to Mary, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> By having my back in the presence of all these people, I feel humiliated in my sister once again. One point for Mary. The evening goes and everyone is fed and everyone is satisfied. Jesus leaves, disciples leave, the doors close, and you know what happened. All of us, all, those of you who have siblings, you know what happened. That door closed and 
Mary turned around and Martha turned around and looked at Mary and it was not a pretty thing that went on in that home. But jumping to John's passage, Lazarus has been taken gravely ill and the sisters still together under one roof sends for Jesus. Jesus arrives too late. Martha goes out to the road to meet Jesus and she greets him with the news of her brother's death and she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God would give you whatever you ask. Two sisters together who love their brother, who are grieving to their, for their brother. Shortly thereafter, Mary reached a place where Jesus was and saw him and she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds familiar. Two phrases from two different sisters at two different points during this encounter with Jesus. There were probably many arguments since Jesus first met and encountered these sisters, but they maintained their need for, to, and love for one another. And they also agreed on the faith they had in Jesus and the power of God. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. A statement shared by both of these women, they exercise sibling harmony, which is a topic for our message this morning, sibling harmony. I grew up in a home where my, my parents stressed um, sibling harmony. It was not always harmony in, in our home. I had um, two sisters, and at one point in our lives, we all wore the same size. And <laughs> no, it wasn't pretty, especially when um, I bought my clothes and to make sure my sisters didn't wear them before I got a chance to. I did not wear my clothes until I did not take the tags off until I was ready to wear them. That was a little trick I would play, but it didn't play out because when I went to the closet to get a nice sweater that I purchased, the tags were on the floor and the sweater was gone. And to add insult to injury, when I wore that sweater, when I finally got it back to wear, one of my sister's friends complimented me on how well I looked in my sister's sweater. <laughs> now, it was not always harmony in the Porter household. On one occasion, uh, my younger sister, who was eight years younger than I am, she was about six and I was 14. And I was um, about to go to a friend's house and she wanted to come with me. I said, no, you tag along with me everywhere I go. I don't want you to come this time. She started whining. I didn't care, that didn't work. Then the tears came, I still didn't care. And then she said, if you don't take me, I'm gonna tell mama. Oh yeah, that got a rise out of me. So we started this argument to be 14 with a six-year-old round-faced, one dimpled cute girl. My mom heard the argument and um, she didn't say anything. I walked away from my little sister, walked to the door. And as soon as I put my hand on that doorknob, my mom asked, where are you going? I said, I'm going down to Jan's house. Oh, no, 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 baby. You can't go to Jan's house and play with Jan when you can't play with your own sister in your own home. 
When you learn how to play with your sister in your own home, then you can go out and play with others. Oh, man. I was, <laughs> I was not happy. So I figured, okay, this is the plan. I play with this kid for a little while, make her happy, and then mama will see that we really love one another, and then I can go. So she wanted to play with puzzles, put a puzzle together. So we sat down at the table in the dining room, and we started putting together this puzzle. And, you know, to be really honest, it got a little bit of fun just listening to her. She was a little chatter to Kathy, and I just, you know, and she was cute. So I'd, um, we began to talk, and I listened to her stories, and we began to play well and laugh together. My mom overheard us, and she walked into the room, and she said, now you can go play with Jan. I jumped up, and I turned to put the puzzle piece back on the table, and I looked at that little face. She was so sad and hurt, and I really saw, I mean, tears swelling in her eyes. I sat down, and I thought to myself, Jan could wait. Sibling harmony. We exercise sibling harmony. I'm turning the page, y'all. Still turning. Now I got it. Siblings have issues from time to time, but they are called to stand in agreement on matters of the heart Yet we know, in reality, that is not always the case. We are all children of God, which makes us siblings. We belong, we've long crossed the line, and we have become strangers, mistrusting one another and not having one another's back. Division between us is getting wider and wider. We could ask how it got this bad, point fingers at political leaders, but it doesn't matter how we got here now, what do we do about it? It really, in reality, not all problems of the world, uh, our nations or states or cities or within some of our homes cannot be so resolved in our lifetime. But, there, but where we can make a difference is where we can put some dents in some of the issues we must try starting small and making a difference. There's so much going on, so much hatred, so much war and rumors of war and, um, and disrespect that's going on among people. We can't solve all of that. And in reality, for some, it's overwhelming. It's easier just to pretend it's not there, turn the TV off, stop looking at social media, because what can I do about it? Well, you start small, people. There's a framed picture of words that have been important in my family, and each move we made, I made sure that that frame was the first thing that was placed on the wall. And it reads, the greatest work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. The greatest work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. We never assume anything in our home. When it comes to the physical, emotional, and spiritual health of our daughter and our family, even within the school system, we never relied on the school system to be the sole educators of our daughter. I use every moment 
good or bad, in the news, on television, social media, to be a teachable moment for our daughter. She's an adult yet now. Now, yet, I still call and caution her about some of the dangers in the world. And she reminds me that you told that to me already, Mama. I know, but yes, I want to repeat it. I want to make sure it seeks in. She doesn't live uh, in Louisville. She's in Dallas, and it's important for me to know that she's making smart decisions. I'm so proud of our daughter. Without fear, she feels comfortable and confident in standing her ground, correcting any foolish talk that comes out of the mouths of her peers. She educates them as we have educated her, and I feel good about that. Not everyone is that bold. Fear is real, people. Injustice is real. And for those of you who are strong and brave enough to confront it, good for you. But don't go patting yourself on the back. This is required of you and further to stand and speak for those who are weak or whose voice will not be heard. I have the greatest hope for our society when I hear the youth leaders from Majori Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. They sparked a march for our lives movement across this nation to say enough with gun violence. I don't know how many of you saw this, but it was all over the country that they rallied. The Parkland tragedy got the attention it did because Parkland well, let me, I'm going to sit ahead of myself. I want to share with you about an article that I read about from Chicago, the Chicago Sun. One of the leaders of this movement, a 17-year-old named Cameron Caskey, traveled to Chicago to speak to the youth leaders of an African-American group called Brave. And while there, they were interviewed by the Chicago Sun. And here's a sampling of that interview that took place in Chicago with Cameron and 15-year-old Ray Ona Holmes from the Brave Group. The Parkland tragedy got the attention it did because Parkland is an affluent white community and so many people in this country only watch the news when it happens to an affluent white community. This comes from Caskey, 17 years old, said in an interview with the Chicago Sun-Times. It is sad that we wouldn't have been where we are today if it wasn't for the Parkland students, said Ray Ona Holman, 15, who two years has raised her voice, two years. She was 13 when she started this. Raised her voice against Chicago violence as a member of the youth group Brave. What we go through in Chicago happens day to day at any hour, any minute, any second of the day, and it barely makes news, Holman said. People listen to them, speaking of the young people from Florida. They see their anger as being passionate while they see us as angry teenagers. I am grateful for the platform they gave us, but it would have been great if our voices could have been heard without them.
sibling harmony. Two groups of youth from two different parts of the country with two different lifestyles coming together, one helping the other, being the voice for the other. The issues are not just black and white people. It's religious, it's gender issues as well. We've got issues in this country, and they are not going to go away by turning a blind eye. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be led by children. I'm proud of their strength and courage, but it is our role as adults to lead and to stand up for them while grooming them for the present and the future. Our churches need to be strengthened and must find ways not to just survive, but to flourish. I passed a four-point field in my first call. My churches worship twice a month, the first and the third Sundays and the second and fourth Sundays, one eight o'clock service and another 11 o'clock service. There's one of my churches, which was a um, pretty large church, pretty affluent church. And um, I'd been there almost five months. Christmas was coming, the tradition was that the high school come and sing songs for our congregation at a Christmas worship service. My choir sat behind me, not low, but they were up. So I could hear them, but I rarely turned around to see them because they were so far up. And uh, this particular Sunday, the choir marched down on the side here and they sat in pews, maybe about four pews in front of me. And as the young people came up to take their place in the choir loft, I noticed that uh, everyone had the maroon and gray robes, but they had different, the stoles were the same, but there were different symbols on the stole. Now I recognized immediately, of course, the Presbyterian symbol. I went to interdenominational seminary, so I recognized the United Methodists, but there were some that I didn't recognize. Didn't say anything. I had my regular lunch visit with one of my elders, and while I was in her home, I said, you know, what is it about these stoves and the different symbols? Where does that come from? And as she was serving me tea, she laughed. She said, you thought all those people in that choir belonged to your church? I said, yes, I did. And she said, I guess you think all the people in the pews are Presbyterian too. I, yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> the situation was many of these church folks were two denomination families, and the churches in the area did the same thing. All the small churches did the same thing. They had worship twice a month. So on those month, on those Sundays that they did not have worship service, being the good Christians that they were, they didn't stay home and look at television. They didn't go play golf. They went to another church to help that church survive. Their offerings came to each one of these churches. They served as ushers and deacons in the other churches. When someone died at John Hall Presbyterian Church, the members of St. Augustine Church were ushers at our church service, and they served at the repast for the family. And while we as a congregation comforted one another in the loss of our members, that's sibling harmony, people. When churches come together and work this out, where we can support one another and worship together and be like family. 
In closing, I want to encourage you, siblings, you have done a, I'm looking at your bulletin and this announcement here about events that are coming up. And um, it was the uh, school supplies for children and mission uh, volunteers to drive meals on wheels. You're doing wonderful things here at this church. And don't get discouraged. There are wonderful things being done, but there's still a whole lot out there that needs to be done. So be prayed up. I want you to encourage to start at home, to uh, nurture your children at home. Talk to your children about what's going on in the world. Answer any questions that they may have. Also, um, be a voice for those who find it difficult to speak for themselves. And most importantly, as the pastor shared with the children today, how significant and how powerful prayer is. We find ourselves going through the course of the day when things hit us that it's almost difficult for us to even whisper a prayer because we're so overwhelmed and sometimes so angry and sometimes so... Um, Mm, so don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle the situations. Someone sent me this. This is called a prayer cloth. And in her note to me, she said she used to make prayer um, throws. That had to be a big old job for a throw to go on your lap. But she decided that since that was so much work, she decided to do the prayer cloth. And she sent me one. And I keep this with me. Um, I keep it in my pocket. And when something comes up that if I'm in traffic in, in, in D.C. and someone cuts in front of me and instead of, uh, you know, doing what I may be moved to do, I, <laughs> I, you know, reach for my prayer cloth and say a prayer instead. But... Um, there's a great deal, not potential, there's a great deal of gifts here that you possess, my siblings. And I want to close with one story. And this particular story was shared by Stacy Abrams, who was a candidate for governor in the state of Georgia. She tells the story of her father a college-educated man who was relegated by his race to working at a shipyard in southern Mississippi in the 1970s. The family had one car, so Robert found himself hitchhiking from work in the middle of the night to get home. But one day, he did not come home. So his family, all of them together, went out to look for him. They found him half frozen on the side of the road. He had given his coat to a homeless man as he continued his journey home. His family asked him, why on earth a poor man like you with little or nothing would give your coat up in this kind of weather to a homeless person? And his response was, I knew you would come for me. People of God, 
There are people out here waiting for you to come for them. You have it in you. Don't disappoint them. Amen.